Hi, this is Terry Draper from Plateau. I'm Brendan O'Hare. I used to be in Teenage Fan Club. Hey, this is Tyler Green. Owen Radford. Tino Toy from Plain Mantis. I'm Frankie Siragusa, and you're tuning in to Unlikely Places Pop and Rock Radio Show with Vinyl Man Jeb. Hey everybody, this is your host, Final Man Jeb of the Unlikely Places Pop and Rock Radio Podcast, Episode 2. We got Steve Butler with us. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well, Jeremy. How about you? Good. It was great seeing you at the cutting room. Thanks to Edward Rogers for inviting me up, and having Smash Palace open was insane. That must have been a really fun experience for you. Yeah, it was. It was it's a lot of fun. It's a great room. I love playing in New York City. Yeah, New York City so, is amazing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I love Ed Rogers, obviously, working with him, and I've been a huge John Ford Straubs fan since uh, I was a kid, so that was a, that was a, a real treat. It must be real fun. He was sitting in the you know the dressing room. I came down and saw him, and I was just like, "What do I do?" <laughs> yeah, I'm very. I love the Straubs <laughs> just as much. Yeah. And then you came in with your black Gibson, and it was like, "All right, this is home." <laughs> so it was very cool. Yes. So what got you into music? What got me into music? I think from what I can remember is that I've always been into music and uh, my mom was a musician and a songwriter. I grew up listening and she, and uh, you know, she liked music from her generation, but she also liked uh, the music I was listening to. And then my brother, my older brother got in the band when the Beatles and the British invasion thing hit. So it was always there Mm -hmm. present. So I couldn't wait to get my hands on a guitar. What was your first guitar? That's a good question. You know, it's it's. Uh, I remember my brother had a friend who was in his. Uh, it was a lead guitar player in his band, and he taught me to play guitar. And, and it wasn't, uh, you know, like he'd be there every Tuesday or whatever. When he mm. saw me, he would show give me some tips, and he gave me a guitar, and I oh, had wow. no idea what it was. <laughs> and uh, and then my dad bought me my first proper guitar. I think when I was 11, and that was a, a Stella 12-string guitar. Yes, a Stella was like the harmony. Harmony was like the guitar that everybody was playing in the 60s, early 70s. It was like a, an inexpensive American-made mm-hmm. guitar. But then they made a, a an inexpensive harmony called the Stella. And the Stella uh, 12-string was the same guitar that Lead Belly played. Oh, wow. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize that till way later on. I didn't know that when I was 11. That must have feel cool after when you found out. It's like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I recognize that sound. Yeah. So what was your uh, inspirations or inspirations in music? Any particular artists that really, you know, grinded the gears for you to get writing more and into the music? I think, uh, you know, like my earliest recollections of music was, you know, probably being in my crib listening to Elvis Presley and uh, Everly Brothers and stuff like that, because that's what my, my mom was listening to. And then, um, you know, when the Beatles came out, I wanted to, even though I was kind of on the younger side, even playing instrument at the time, I remember just loving it because my older brothers did. And so that was, I, I think that's kind of my musical DNA, the whole British invasion thing. And, and a lot of great American music too. Not a bad DNA to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of uh, a renaissance that was going on, I think, with uh, with rock and roll at the time. I mean, how how profoundly music changed. Yeah. Between like '63 and '69, I mean, with within six years, you know, you, you went through so many different stylistic changes in music. 
um, maybe it's just me, but I don't hear that happening today. No, I don't either. I was just about to say that. You read my mind. I was just like, because, you know, the Beatles came in around then, and it was like, whew, changed everything. And nowadays, it feels like everything's just the same bland. Either either it's the same, or they're remaking it, just like the movies that's going on. You know, they're, it's never really, I don't see any newer. And then when new comes up, I highly fi- I find it. I have to dig for it, and then I find it, and it's like it's worth that I de- I dug for it, and I enjoy the bands yeah. like those. But not enough of them are out there, you know, receiving Grammys as much as they should. But that's all rigged anyway, in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't um, I don't really follow. Yeah, same. What like a like what a Billboard top ten chart looks like? I wouldn't know a hit record if I fell over it. Yeah, but like, you, <laughs> I, but like you, it's like I, I, I find music usually referred to me by friends and people I trust musical, musically and then through <laughs> my own, you know, my own searching. So uh, but there is a lot of great music being made. I'm, and I in no way making uh, this general dismissive yeah, remark. Same here, too. Today. There's definitely a lot of really good music being made. And I'm finding that a lot of the artists from the past are making really great comeback records. And oh yeah, and it's insane that they're still around, and it's awesome. And uh, that's why I love doing the radio show that I do, Unlikely Places, which I've played Smash Palace on for you. And it was just really cool well, to add you, you guys much. to the playlist of <laughs> great tunes. And I love power pop; that's my go-to genre. And I just love that whole uh, all the people I've met through that, and uh, just insane of all the the love for music that these people have. It's it's yeah. perfect. It's 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 awesome. How was Smash Palace formed? Um, Smash Palace came out of the remains of Quincy. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if I, if historically, if I back it up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I was in a band called Quincy. We signed with Columbia Records, I think in late 79. Ooh. And uh, we were discovered by Hilly Crystal, CBGVs. So we were part of that whole power pop punk thing that was going on at the time. And, um, and, and the, it was a great record. It had a lot of really good music. Paul Atkinson from the Zombies signed us to Columbia, oh, wow. which is kind of an interesting uh, footnote. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the record came out and we did it. We did a, a bunch of tours. We were playing all over. We played at the Whiskey in L.A. And Quincy Jones saw our name on a marquee and sued us. Oh, wow. For, ste- for stealing his name. So it kind of put the kibosh on the band and that record. So, um, cause it, it just kind of froze yeah, in place. I'd imagine I mean, that's they, crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was a cease and desist order. So you oh, couldn't wow. really, uh, you couldn't really market the record. So, um, you know, we soldiered on for a little bit, but it didn't, it just wasn't working out. And Brian and I left the band and formed smash palace. And then I guess about 18 months later, uh, we got a record deal with Epic. Oh, wow. And uh, so that's our first record back in uh, 85. So we've been together a long time. Yeah. And it's mostly been my brother and I. You know, we're the songwriters. And uh, although, you know, occasionally the, the, the Smash Palace of today has input from other members on uh, some co-writes and stuff like that. Hmm. But, you know, it's pretty much been our vehicle to uh, get our music across. 
Yeah, and I'm really enjoying all the albums. I, I bought, I think, majority. I think I bought everything that you had at the uh, the <laughs> the NYC show. I was just like, I buy everything yeah. because my dad and I were talking about it, and we were like blown away. My dad's a huge Power Pop fan as well, so buying oh, all no, those cool. was perfect for us just to jam with in the car, and we've been addicted since. And then I put everything on my computer, and I lost my hard drive. Uh, I had to send that out to Seagate to get redone for the radio show. And it's I finally got a uh, message that they're shipping it back. They found all the data, so I got all my songs back. But uh, at least I had the CD. That's okay. why I prefer physical <laughs> much over. I was able to still do the radio yeah, show from there, CDs. There is, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's a, a warning to everyone out there, you know, use external hard drives to back up. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, know, I know people who have uh, just recently, within the past week, uh, even had an external hard drive. And that was the thing that. that yeah, the backup so, backup. Yeah. It was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I had everything. That's what that's what mine was was an external hard drive, and it was like I didn't back it up fully, which is my fault. I should have backed it up to another drive, just not thinking. But it's like you know, at least I got it back. I was happy. And if I'm missing a few songs here and there, I can find them again. But it's better than missing sure. thousands that I've had ten years worth of music on there, and all the new stuff. And then when I do a radio show, it's like that's how I make my playlist. I'm like, oh god, what do I do? Uh, but I was able to figure that out, which was good. You guys got a new album out, 21, which is exciting. Uh, what was the recording process behind that album? Um, it took place, we had cut a couple songs before COVID, and then COVID hit, and it was like, okay, mm. this is going to, you know, we're going to have to shut down for a while. And then when things kind of eased up, I, I guess it would have been like probably an early fall of 2020, we were able to get in and do some songs we were you know everybody was masked up we were we, there's a a very large recording studio in the town that i live and uh so we were able to most of us be separated distanced we knocked out probably half of it by then and then uh, we were contemplating putting out an ep but then we went now nah, let's just keep going so we um went in the studio after everybody was vaccinated yeah <laughs> so once we got vaccinated we went in finished the record and came out in july and it's, it's personally a fun, fantastic album i love it. it's in my personal like top 10 as of the you know coming of just amazing music and i was so glad to play it on the show and we'll be playing more from it on the show and more of the stuff that i bought gotta play it <laughs> but it's it, well, it, will, it will be coming uh just uh this this week's episode was a special episode every 10 episodes i do like a little on-air interview that's similar to the podcast and just kind of show what i'm doing and since that was the first episode it was like who do i do this with so i did it with a friend of mine who loves the beach boys so we talked to beach boys and then uh, yeah. going forward i might invite some of the following guests on jeb and green to come on so it's all all part of the fun uh mad wasp radio has been great to me and it's just been exciting to be able to do what i do and that's how i met edward rogers was through an email sent to mad wasp i think from melanie so it was perfect that it was just all worked out and then i found out edward's a radio host too and uh he's also in the group chat that i'm in for another record label so it was really cool so it was like really uh, fun to find that out. Um, what was the inspiration behind the song What Is Wrong With Me? That is my personal favorite on that album. You know, that was a song that uh, I had, Brian and I had kind of worked out a, um, the, way, the way we usually work, our writing process is, mm -hmm. he sits behind a drum kit, I got a guitar, we both have microphones. Ah. And, you know, and I'll, so we always write together in person. Like, well, occasionally there's a couple things that that I <laughs> uh, that do change, but mostly mm. that's the way it goes. And then we come up with a humble tune, a guitar lick. And we came up with that song, and uh, we were like, wow, it's a really good idea, good melody, good beat. And then 
Brian came back a couple days later and had all the lyrics written. Hmm. I mean, I might, I think I might have added a line here or there, but I think most of it is uh, just a reflection on the, the the times that we live in, and uh, I think it just, and it also has to deal with getting older. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, that's like kind of fit with what happened to us by Edward Rogers around. The, that's why I played both together. I was like trying to decide on a set list here for the playlist for the show. And I was looking at themes because I always do themes. And I was like, well, I want to do something about the New York show. There's something that was magical for me to be able to go out of my comfort zone and go to New York City for the first time for a show. I've been to New York City before, but never for like the cutting room or any of that. So it's just very exciting to get on the train and go to do that. So there's a lot of inspiration behind that. And then I was like, well, you got to show the show. I got to show different songs. And I thought the theme would be perfect was what happened to us. And uh, what is wrong with me was perfect. That's why I was like, that's a great yeah. mix. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and they're both, uh, and they both deal with the yeah. relatively <clears throat> same subject matter, but just from a different perspective. Which is perfect. And that leads me right into the next question. Uh, how did you and uh, Edward Rogers come about with Rogers and Butler? How did that come about? I met Ed, I'm going to say 12 years ago. Because he goes, time flies by so fast. Mm, <laughs> it does. Like, I know. It's like I'm living in dog years. <laughs> but I, I, I met him, and we, we were doing a gig at the old cutting room. Ooh. And it was a showcase for Zip Records, which is a record label that we both record with. with. And um, I walked over to Ed and introduced myself and said, hey, you know, I'm a real fan of your music. And uh, I said, I said, you remind me of someone uh, that I said, I don't know anyone else who knows who this person is because I've been listening to this record since mm -hmm. 1969 and I've never met anyone who knows who he is. And he said, and I said, it's an Englishman called uh, Duncan Brown. And he goes, Oh, I know Duncan Brown. And you know, I know his music really well. And mm -hmm. he was, he told me a little bit about uh, the Colin Blundstone used to be his roommate. <laughs> but anyhow, if you, if you want to just, you know, a little heads up on something, there was a record he made called give me take you. Okay. By Dun Duncan Brown with an E on the end of right. his Brown. Yeah, like Jackson and, Brown type thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it ch that record changed my life. It's one of my top I will check five records. Definitely. And and Ed was a super fan. So, um, and then we just, we were in communication, always threatening to write together. Let's write together. Okay. <laughs> you know, one of those things. And then he sent me some music. Uh, he sent me some lyrics. And, um, so when I, I looked at the lyrics, I was like, uh, okay, yeah, I could, I could, you know, definitely wrap my head around this. And we wrote uh, 20th Century Heroes, uh, well, which, a, yeah, which appears on the Ed, Ed Rogers solo record. Yeah, and that was that was cool hearing that live too. I was like so sh I was sh I was so excited to hear that when he played it. I was like yes, because that's one of my yeah. favorites. When I started getting into him after I interviewed him, because I I usually interview people with like kind of less of a knowledge. It's part of my show's kind of uh, mystique. It's supposed to be a fan trying to learn from the artist and not know everything. And I think Steve, we talked a while ago back to have you on the Jeb and Greencast way back. Uh, it's just time yes. passed so quickly. And it's just that we, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, the uh, co-host I used to have, uh, started doing school again and started going to work and we kind of split and I decided I still want to do this podcast since I have my regular job and I have the radio, I still want to do this podcast. So we're still doing it. And I think we're going to be interviewing Cliff next month and my partner's actually coming back, the co-host to interview with him, oh, which will be interesting because yeah. he's a big Cliff fan from Philly. So do you have any favorite tour memories? And it's probably a lot, but any favorite ones? 
favorite tour memories? Yeah, any uh, any shows? Uh, pro- well, probably the biggest show mm-hmm. uh, that we ever did was uh, an MTV Spring Fling Ooh. Uh, on the beach in Daytona, Florida. And that was probably about 30,000 people. It was huge. I was funny. It's so funny you ask that because someone asked me, like, mm-hmm. what was the most scary gig you ever did? <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm always nervous before I play. I'm always I know that the, feeling, yeah. The anxious, the, I'm, I'm the anxious guitar player singer. So, um, and I've always been. That's so me too. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. some people are like that. And so some people, it's like nothing. Yeah. But, um, I remember I had to do this. We we come out and the opening song has this like extended solo guitar intro, and I'm out there going, "Lord, oh God, oh God, just oh God, help oh God. me get through <laughs> these this 15 second thing that I got to do here." And uh, so it was probably like you know it was a bit unnerving, but got through it. And as Ed likes to say, no one died. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it was good. It, and you know that'd probably be. Uh, and the other thing is, is you get to a point in your life where um, you just forget the gigs. There's so many gigs. Mm. Um, I have band members like from Quincy and early Smash Palace who will say, do you remember that time? Uh, <laughs> you know, we were hanging out with Frank Zappa in our dressing room for about a half an hour. And we we're, I'm like, no. Oh, like, shoot. How do I not read? Yeah, I'll be like, that's Frank. That? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Zappa fanatic. I actually interviewed his sister. I'll have to send that to you. And just a lot of fun. And I will check out that uh, that album you mentioned as well, because I definitely, you'll probably see it on the show. Maybe I'll play another Smash Palace song right next to it, too. That'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Just wanted to say thanks for coming on. I was very excited to, to finally get a hold of, to, to, you know, finally interview you and actually to say that we've met in person, which is insane. I've never really met a lot of the guests I have on the show because it's on all online. But to meet everybody, sure. it was just an awesome night. And uh, it was it was cool meeting like Sal Meta and, and James Mastro and all them as yeah, well. That yeah. was cool. You, look, you looked like you were having a really good time. I was. <laughs> uh, May Pang was insane. My dad was, yeah, I think my crazy? dad was, it's just something that you don't expect to get that close to the Beatles. Like that's as close as you could probably get them unless you meet Paul and Ringo, you know, and it's yeah. just like, and, and, you, and you, you can't meet a kinder person. She's no, really, she's really, super cool. And it was, wonderful. it's something that I didn't expect too. And she was, super, um, and then meeting you guys was, it was really cool. And I bought Cliff's solo album before I left to make sure I got that. I didn't know oh, it was cool. there. Good, and good, then good, he told good. me, yeah, and I was like, I'll yeah. buy that too. Uh, <laughs> I'll buy everything. Yeah. And then, uh, it was just super fun. And, uh, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Hey guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed that episode with Steve Butler of Smash Palace. This is episode two of the Unlikely Places Pop and Rock podcast show, radio show. A little companion to it. You can check the radio show weekly Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. A little British time there for you. And also, check out the podcast on YouTube, Unlikely Places, because there will be extra content going to YouTube as well. I believe if you just type in Unlikely Places and then put the name of this podcast in, Steve Butler, uh, this will be out before it's on YouTube, so type John Povey instead. Uh, either or, one of those will pick up with the other, don't get confused. <laughs> uh, just to find that podcast. And, uh, and subscribe to us on YouTube as well, helps us out on both ends. And thank you for listening to this on Anchor. And uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, well, then you're already there. So thank you. This is just for the anchor side of it. Just adding this in to the end of the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy your evening, night, morning, whatever it is. This is Vinyl Man Jeb signing off. <laughs>